Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. The Trump watch is on, but it doesn't look like anything's happening today, David. Uh, no, it doesn't look like anything's going to happen today. I think uh, some people jumped the gun just a little bit. Uh, I, I guess the word is is that there's still an expectation that he will be indicted related to the Stormy Daniels hush money payout in 2016 by the Manhattan DA, this Soros far left nut job Alvin Bragg. But there's so many hoops to jump through to get anywhere close to a conviction. This yeah. is a waste of time. Oh, yeah. It's a show trial. Here we go again. I mean, look. Well, this gives the white supremacist another day to organize. But, right. <laughs> Just tease it on out. <laughs> right. So, you mean with the big riot? Yes, with the rioting going on, yes. <laughs> so apparently the grand jury is going to be hearing from a witness tomorrow. So, you know, they're, I guess I, I was reading in Fox News and elsewhere that there, if any indictment comes down, it'll probably be next week. Probably won't okay. be this week. All right. Well, of course, inflation in the economy is a big story always. And I happen to see this from the New York Post. Charles Gasparino, you see him on TV mm-hmm. now and again. Seems to know his stuff pretty well. He wrote the piece. And he wrote, listening to Janet Yellen, you might be led to believe that the U.S. banking system is, in her words, sound and that your deposits remain safe. And it says she's the Treasury Secretary, after all. She must have some clue, right? (laughs) Nope. Next paragraph, nope. Top financial CEOs tell me she's mostly MIA, as our banking system shows serious signs of cratering. In her two years as the government's top banker, Yellen has failed to grasp the full magnitude of the problem because she has instead... Listen been too focused on other stuff like Ukraine, abortion, and all those progressive causes she's championed. Mm -hmm. And you know what? You know what I'm going to play. I'm going to do it again. (laughs) How can you trust her when she didn't get inflation right to begin with? Um, Look, I I think I was wrong then (laughs) about um, the path that inflation um, would take Hmm. and um, supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that I didn't at the time didn't fully understand, but we recognize that now. <laughs> well, what are you not recognizing at this moment in 2023 yeah. that you'll have to cop to later? I think that's what has a lot of people worried. Well, she's busy. Uh, she's busy scheming and scamming and putting together drag shows for kindergartners. Oh, there you go. Well, she's getting something accomplished, I guess. That'll that'll rescue the economy through tips and right, brown yes, men's right. T-strings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and we will be taxing them on that. Yeah. Gasparino writes, the problem is pretty obvious if you can read a balance sheet. Top financial executives have privately identified as many as 25 regional and mid-sized banks in the neighborhood of $15 billion to $200 billion in assets that are ripe for failure. Oh, boy. The ill-fated Silicon Valley signature banks and today's latest headache, First Republic, are the festering sores that signal an even greater degree of banking rot. And it goes on from there. So as you're thinking, okay, well, they've got this sort of taken care of now. Uh, There are a lot of people on the inside saying no. No. 
Um, one of Gasparino's lines in this piece is, again, you won't hear this from Yellen or Sleepy Joe Biden. They're too busy doing their best imitation of Kevin Bacon's clueless security guard character in Animal House. <laughs> Remain calm. <laughs> All is well. Well, it's... I, I think there there is a, bit, a, a a part of me that gets really bitter, though, when I hear banking executives say there's a problem in the banking industry. It's like it's like the murderer telling the cops, you haven't found the murderer yet. Like, yes. Like, OK, well, then why did you screw it up? What did you do wrong? Right, You're in exactly. the position to fix it. Yeah, this is OJ's book. If I did it. <laughs> right. I mean, it, well, I think part of it is it then. Hey, I think part of it is you give us the rules, okay, mm-hmm. that we know we can skirt by. We want to make piles of money, and we want to be woke. And so we're going to focus on those things knowing, well, if the federal government bails us out for our mistakes, then <laughs> why not have a good time? Yeah. And that's part of the problem. More on that a little bit later. Um, is the press secretary worried about Trump causing violence. That's yeah. a question that's come up. Yeah, so it does look like Trump is going to be indicted at some point in the next week or so over the so-called hush money payout to porn star Stormy Daniels. Uh, Trump is calling for people to protest. Uh, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was asked if they're worried about the uh, former president calling for people to protest his potential indictment. So, as you know, it's an ongoing investigation. We do not comment on any ongoing uh, uh, investigations from here. We've been very consistent on that. Uh, so certainly I'm not going to uh, break that, uh, uh, kind of break our, our protocol here. So I won't, I won't comment from here. I'm not asking about the potential indictment itself. I'm, not, I'm asking about the former president calling on supporters to protest. The so possibility. That, that understood. Understood. Wanted to say that at the top. Uh, so, look, the president has been very clear when it comes to Americans who want to to protest. Uh, they should do it peacefully. <laughs> okay. Golly. We really want it to get out of hand, though, because yeah. we'd love to use that Absolutely. as a political weapon no again. Question. If we could possibly do that, that would be really good. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out, not just with Trump, but also with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Because, as you mentioned yesterday, David, I've seen uh, some conservatives criticize DeSantis for not doing more for Trump. Yeah. Standing up for him. Because, obviously, this is a witch hunt. And, I mean, basically, you're looking at authoritarian regimes that go after political enemies. Mm -hmm. And this is an example of that. And you're wondering, how far is it going to go? So the criticism to DeSantis is, hey, you should be standing up more for him. When you hear that, what goes through your mind? For what? Nothing's actually happened yet. That, that, to me, that's actually a pretty important point. You, you, what, what is it that you think the, the governor of Florida can actually do for something that hasn't even happened yet? I, I, don't, I don't understand that. I mean, there are people out there, and some people I, I really respect in other areas of commentary but, uh, you know, when they say, oh, he should vow to not, what, block extradition to New York? Like, well, he really can't. I, I, don't, I don't understand. For all we know, there's going to be a misdemeanor charge. Uh, and in that case, do you really want to trigger a showdown between the state of Florida and U.S. Marshals 
and the, and the rest of the federal government. That doesn't make any sense. I that's that's my whole take is like the, I don't know what you want the governor of Florida to actually do. Well, it did seem like he certainly made a point to say this is a Soros back DA. Yeah, this is one of Soros' guys. This is what they do. And yeah, there's nothing there. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that was basically it. But there is that sort of back and forth going on. Yeah. So see what happens with that. Um, you have a clip from a baseball game last night. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I can't wait to hear this because I was actually watching this game. This is so I th- started watching it in the ninth inning, and it truly was exciting. Yeah, the World Baseball Classic is going on, and Japan rallied in the bottom of the ninth to beat Mexico and move on to the championship game. Uh, exciting, right? And I, I just love hearing... Uh, play-by-play and color commentators from around the globe as they get excited for their national teams coming up. So here's the Japanese play-by-play guy as the winning hit happened. The ball gets hit in deep center field. Two runs cross the plate, wins the game for Japan. An incredible moment. Yes. First and third. And here you go. So I don't speak Japanese, but passion transcends language barriers, okay? See, I love that. I love that. And you criticize in America for being a homer, right? I mean, if you call for the Cardinals, you call for the Cubs, you call for the Phillies, you should be a homer. Well, sure. Absolutely. These guys are homering like crazy, but I love it. Of course. I love that. So, man... Are you watching any of this World Baseball Classic? Yeah, yeah. Did you watch this game last night? I did not see it last night. Okay. Because it's all these guys in Major League Baseball that you recognize, or oh, a yeah. lot of them that you right. do. And I was thinking to myself, I'm surprised that I'm enjoying this as much as I am. Because this is like the third game that I've tuned into. And then tonight's the championship game with Japan and the United States, which I'll certainly tune into. It has a different feel to it, and I can't quite explain it. I suppose it really is love of country that they're playing for. Because a lot of these guys, they don't have to do it. you know. And a little bit later, we'll get into the criticism that the pitcher from the Mets that got injured celebrating, that's because of colonialism. Jeez. <laughs> that's, a, that's a take from MSNBC yeah. that we'll get to a little bit later. But to me, it's like, man, this is kind of joyful watching this. It wasn't joyful for Mexico. Well, they play in America, and we know these guys because they're from America, but we don't know where they're from, traditionally speaking. Yeah. So when you get a bunch of guys from Japan or Colombia or whatever yeah. that are representing their country, that's a cool thing. No, Tani's probably the best player in baseball. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Hey, remember that T-shirt that was shot by a student? Speaking out now. You got to hear this. Straight ahead. David Van Camp, the millennial, the sexy boomer, Scott Robbins. Update on that teacher that was shot by a six-year-old student. Crazy story. Crazy story. Uh, She has sent a letter to the district saying that she intends to sue them because they failed to keep her safe. Uh, If you're 
wanting the, I guess, here's the background of the story. Uh, this happened in Newport News, Virginia, back in January. This kid got a hold of his mom's gun, took it to school, six years old. Somehow was able to get it. Uh, three separate times, administrators were told that he had a gun. No one did anything about it. Okay, refresh me on this. Didn't that kid have some other issues in the class as well according to before the kid, this? Yeah, according to the kid's parents, this was like the first day of school that he was allowed to be there without one of his parents there. Right. Or something like that. That's what they said. And it was kind mm-hmm. of a confusing statement. But, yeah, he, he had some sort of uh, issue, obviously. Now we all know that because he yeah, shot issues, his teacher. Yeah. Right. Um no one did anything about it until his first grade teacher, Abigail Zwerner, was shot. So Zwerner was actually interviewed by Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show. And he didn't really get a lot out of it. I mean, it was kind of like she said the obvious things, like, I was just shocked. I'm still processing this. this uh, the trauma is never going to go away. But this part stood out to me because Savannah Guthrie went full on Captain Obvious on her. <laughs> Roll it. Do you feel like you could have been better protected by the school? Yes. You feel? No, they did everything possible. <laughs> right, and that's why I'm I know suing the them. three people were told he's got a gun, but I, I don't think there's anything else they could have done. <laughs> it's not the court of law. You can ask a question you don't know the answer to. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe a little. Yes. Uh, you feel like they should have done more. Yes. When you think about everything that's happened and what happened to you, what does justice mean to you in this case? That's a tough question to answer. <laughs> Minimum $10 million. Yeah, No kidding. Minimum. Because this wasn't just like a surprise thing. I mean, when they, if you remember the story, uh, you had one kid saying, yeah, he was showing me a gun on the playground. Right. Does that really not lead to a search of the kid? They said they searched his backpack, and then someone said, well, he could have it in his pocket, and whoever did the searching said, ah, he's too small for that. Oh, my goodness, man. <laughs> really? You don't, you don't, like, take the kid out of class. Hey, we've got a student, a teacher's aide, and a teacher saying, this guy's got a gun. You don't sequester the student and ask him some questions about whether or not he has a firearm? But parents, trust us with your children. We know it's best for them. (laughs) (laughs) When did Savannah Guthrie develop that vocal burn? What do you mean? Oh, the fry, the... The fry uh, thing. uh, Yeah, that... I gotta hear it again now. You feel like they should have done more. Not there. When you think about everything that's happened and what happened to you, what does justice mean to you? It's like that 18-year-old girl at the mall, right? <laughs> that does has that that, that frying thing going that, on with her voice. Yeah, that that's when you're trying to connect with people and be empathetic. I guess. While you're asking obvious questions. Do you feel Very like distracting. they done more? Yeah, more. No, you know what they did? They did a great job, you know? <laughs> I thought basically like TSA. I mean, they were they were patting the kid down. That's why I'm suing them. Mm-hmm. Right. right, yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They do this every year. Switching gears to the happiest country in the world. Gallup puts out this uh, report. It ranks how people in more than 130 countries evaluate the quality of their lives. Mm, yeah. Okay. Sixth year in a row, Finland. I was going to say Finland, actually. Number one. Switzerland? Uh, Switzerland is in the top ten. But not in the top three. Denmark. 
again in the top two. Iceland, number three. Yeah. And yet, for so many people in the world, you're like, hey, what do you think about living in Iceland? No, thanks. Yeah. That's why well, they're you don't, happy. <laughs> you don't get any body shaming because everyone looks alike. They're all walking around with heavy coats on all the time. See the rest of the top ten. Israel, Netherlands, Sweden, Norway. I mentioned Switzerland. Uh, New Zealand. Luxembourg. So there you go. The United States is 15th. Yeah. Just below Canada and Ireland. If you could remove three cities, we'd move up. <laughs> <laughs> Probably true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is something to that, actually. Now, at the bottom, you'd have Afghanistan. It's been rough. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. Lebanon, Sierra Leone, least satisfied. And they finished just below Zimbabwe, Congo, Botswana, um, Tanzania, Zambia, India. It goes on. And it's always interesting. I'll never forget this. This was like a 60 minutes thing. It must have been 15 years ago, 10 to 15, talking to people in Denmark. And you know what the reason they said they were so happy there? Hmm. Low expectations. Yeah, I remember. That. It's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, listen, I'm not trying to judge it one way or another. It's just it's it's hard to comprehend that if you have a certain mindset, I think. It's like, yeah, I mean, college is paid for, so we'll go. And then whatever you do, I mean, I'm not expecting to make a ton of money. I'm not expecting this, but I can get together with my friends and hang out, and it'll be fun. And, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, that's another upside to Botswana because you can go there. There's no problem with illegal immigration. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, they can, borders are porous. They're wide open. Come on in. Oh, man. It, it's, it's so interesting. Just a completely different way of life. Oh, yeah. That it's not something that I would want. But, I mean, I guess sometimes the people talk about low expectations with things. If you don't go in hoping that it's the greatest, like some sort of mm-hmm. vacation experience, mm-hmm. I'm expecting it to be great. You're going to get let down. Yeah. I expect to have an okay time. Yeah. Then you're probably, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm not expecting much out of life. So if anything good happens, ah, it's, it's okay. If you, Kill me. I found a lane I can stay in. <laughs> if you don't try to climb Mount Everest, there's a 0% chance you'll fall, fall into a crevasse there you go. on Mount Everest. But how do you win at that? <laughs> That's always my question. Okay, we're going to get to the Georgia Democrat. Said, my kids went to private school, but poor people can't make those kinds of decisions. <laughs> Straight ahead right here. Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Who knows what's best for your kids? Well, parents do. Unless you're poor. Then you can't make those kinds of decisions. Well, no, you're not expected to. We have no expectations. You should live in Denmark. (laughs) So so this is actually an update to a story that we talked about yesterday. Georgia is another state that's looking at a school choice program to let parents take their tax dollars with them if they want to get their kids out of government schools. Uh, Democrats are opposed to this, of course, because according to Democrat State Representative Lydia Glaze, poor people are just too dumb to handle their responsibility. 
Unreal. A lot of those parents did not finish high school and cannot direct their, could not finish their own education. I am extremely concerned that we would put money in their hands and that, and that entire piece of life in the hands of parents who are not qualified to make those decisions. <laughs> uh, wow. Actually said the quiet part out loud. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's more to this, David? Uh, yeah, there is, actually. It gets better because I had asked the question yesterday. I don't know what her background is. I don't know if she sent her kids to private school or whatever. A lot of times the people who are most against school choice or voucher programs or whatever, turns out they went to or their kids were sent to private schools, and they just they don't want the pores mixing with their kids. Well, of course not. Oh, I am for private schools. All of my children what? graduated from private schools. But I am not for them if we take public school dollars and use them for private schools. We paid for it, and we were able to. Well, so poor about people, you're too right. dumb. Well, and you're too poor. And we don't want to give the money to you to make those decisions because you got you just obviously can't. Holy smokes, man. How do you square that with the people that you go out and try to get their vote? Or is the vote just automatic and you know it's always going to happen so I can say whatever I want? There's no consequence. No, there's none. No. Wow, man. That's really something, though. If If you were smart as I was, well, then I'd give you money, but you're not. Yeah. I so mean, is there some sort of litmus test now for parents who want their kids to be educated in private schools? That you have to have a college education before you can even apply? Yeah. I suppose. Just Yeah, if you just if you didn't graduate from college, but you were still incredibly successful enough yeah. so to send your kids to private school. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we should let them send them to private school because they're not smart enough, really, to make that kind of decision. No, you have to have a college degree for that to happen. Man, they are so desperate to hang on to the power with the teachers' unions. unions yeah. And directing all of that. Wow. Because, again, at least tell me I'm wrong. When I see the polling, most parents are for this. They, they would like the vouchers to be able to choose where their kids go to school. Uh, in poll after poll after poll, they are. Um, and even if they're political leanings, you hear the word school choice or something, you know, if you're uh, if you're not somebody who's really deep in the weeds in any sort of policy-making decision or discussion, then you might hear that, and that's a buzzword for evil Republicans want this. But when you ask the basic generic question, right? do you think that kids should be able to go to the school of their parents' choosing? And overwhelmingly, people say, yeah, because it's common sense. Yes. Wow. Okay. Thank you for that update. All right, you know what time it is. Do this every day at this time. Go around the table. We're always looking at stories, and it may not be the biggest one out there, but it caught your attention. Today, David, what's your story? This is crazy. Okay, remember the story from last fall, a prominent journalist with ABC News. He hadn't been heard from in months, and then it turns out that earlier that year, his home had been raided by the FBI. And after the raid, he quit his job. No one heard from him for months. And Rolling Stone initially broke that story about the reporter, uh, James Gordon Meek. 
and suggested it was because he had classified information and the FBI didn't like that or the DOJ decided we need to crack down on this guy. They leaned heavily into it. Um, and to me, I mean, I remember talking about the story at the time. It seemed crazy because this guy's working on a, a book about the Afghanistan withdrawal mm-hmm. and he had been working as sort of a bloodhound for national security issues for years and so yeah it seems like maybe the federal government did actually crack down on him well then it came out what about a, a, a one or two months ago oh yeah. it was actually because he was wrapped up in a child porn investigation yes. and that's what he's being charged with now possession of child pornography um, apparently the initial Rolling Stone reporter for that story included that detail that there may be a connection to an ongoing federal investigation into child pornography but the well, editor that would have explained a lot at the time. Yeah, yeah. But the editor in chief, Noah Schachtman, decided to take the child porn stuff out of the story because he was a buddy of the guy who was the the focus of the story. Well, we don't want to start throwing that term out there. Okay, we don't know. I'm 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 very uh, uh, skeptical of your sources, is what he had told the initial reporter, and the reporter actually had to go and tend to her dying mother, and Noah evidently edited all the child porn stuff out of the story while she was tending to her dying mother, who died actually just a few hours after the story was published. Now, that initial reporter was so upset about it that uh, they now work at a different publication. Because this whole thing got whitewashed, they're leaning heavily into this idea that the government cracked down on a reporter when, in fact, it had nothing to do with anything it was reporting. It was because he was a diddler. Crony journalism. You could say. And actually, Noah Schachman asked photo staffers to come up with a generic photo rather than a picture of the reporter. He said, let's not, so for the article, let's not use a picture of the guy in question, James Gordon Meek. Uh and he said something FBIE, please. Okay. All right, I hesitate to say this. But you know, if you know, part of the show is we're just kicking it like normal guys do every day, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not saying that this guy at Rolling Stone, the man in charge, is guilty of anything. But I would say, all right, if you're in that position and it's a guy you know, I don't know how close they are, you find out, oh, you know, there's an investigation into child porn stuff. Holy smokes, man. Well, if that is your buddy, well, at that point, you disavow. Yeah. Okay. Hey, listen, somebody else is reporting this. They have the facts. I can't protect anybody, nor would I want to in this sort of situation. My hands are off. You let that report go. Why would you get in the way of that? That's a really good question, isn't it? Because you go to that point, and then you start wondering other things. And I know someone would say, it's irresponsible to even put that thought out there. Mm-hmm. This is the way people think, yeah. man. Because you wonder, why would you do that? Because most people, you got a friend, you find out they're a child diddler, that friendship's over. Absolutely it is. Well, done. I, I always go back to who benefits from it. In this situation? Yeah. Would be the diddler. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And why would you protect yeah, that guy? Why would you protect that guy? It's a great question. Yeah. We don't know the answer yet. I don't know. You can only wonder. All right, Scott, what's your story today? Uh, well, my story involves one of my all-time favorite dicks. That would be Senator Dick Durbin. 
Oh, yeah. I saw Dick tweeting out. Yeah, he tested positive for COVID-19. He said, thankfully, I'm fully vaccinated and boosted and only experiencing minor symptoms. I will quarantine consistent with CDC guidelines and follow advice from my doctor while I continue to work remotely. Isn't that that really is? That's like the Hail Mary of the Branch Covidians, isn't it? Right. He's a word for word response card was held right in front of him and he just read it right off there. You know what the real problem is, don't you, Dick? You didn't mask hard enough. (laughs) That's right. You you need to start masking, buddy. I saw the pylon online on him. Oh, God. It was hilarious. Is that like 67, um, you know, boosters? Well, people are saying, does anybody let Dick know that it's 2023? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. These guys are still doing this. I mean. (laughs) I think Megyn Kelly had a five-word tweet that just said, good Lord, no one cares. Right. No one, no one cares anymore. No, they don't. God. They really don't. Um, my story today is that, you know, you'll hear a lot from the left talking about, you know, some of these states are cracking down on LGBTQ plus rights and, and taking everything out on trans kids. Uh, no, you could say it's protecting women and women's sports as Wyoming becomes the 19th state to ban boys from competing in girls' sports. That's Good. 19 now. Okay. It's just common sense. Governor Mark Gordon did not sign nor veto the bill on Friday, allowing it to become law in July. The governor said he's supportive of women's sports and understands concerns about female students being denied scholarships because a male competitor had an unfair advantage and took their place. Yes. Well, I mean, there's a lot more to it than that, in my opinion. You know, have any colleges given a scholarship to a male who thinks he's a female to continue his athletic career? I believe so. They have, huh? Okay. I was just curious. I didn't know. Well, I mean, you think about, you know, the different transgender people in college sports that are competing. I'm guessing they're getting money for it. Yeah. I wonder if they had to walk on or they were recruited. Well, or in the case, you you know what? I never did here, and I'm sure somebody was on this, with the swimmer, a UPenn. Yeah. Who was on the dude's team and then switched to the women's team. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing he got the same sort of support as far as scholarship money. Well, probably. Jeez. I mean, if not, then you would really have a whole other issue. Doing the same work as a man, not getting paid as a woman. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You would have had that controversy. So I'm guessing, it's yeah, the, it was probably the same. The scholarship wage gap. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> with dudes who think they're women. <laughs> and they can't get into a sorority? Come on. That's got to end, too. But some places they can. Exactly. Oh, man. Um, can't wait for David to tell us the story about the Washington Post whining that Iowa is the Florida of the North. Golly. <laughs> Straight ahead right here. Robin Show, Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, David, the Washington Post is whining. Really? Yeah, yeah they are. Well, they, they talked with experts and activists about what's <laughs> going on in the state of Iowa. The Iowa Republicans are targeting the LGBTQ community. 
Wow. Republicans in the Iowa legislature, empowered by the state's recent red wave, have embarked on an ambitious new agenda that includes a costly school choice bill and legislation targeting the LGBT community, uh, a historic divergence from Iowa's history as a civil rights bastion, says Washington Post. You know, if, if people voted for Republicans in what can be described as a red wave in the state of Iowa, then actually what policymakers are doing is exactly what the people of Iowa want. That's how yes. elections work. That's how your precious democracy works. I also love a reporter like Annie Gowan yeah. from the Washington Post whining that it's a costly school choice bill. Right. Since when do you care about money? Right. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, a joke among state house reporters is that Iowa is becoming the Florida of the North without the beaches. You know what a lot of people in this country say? Good. Absolutely. Good. And I'm sure if you were to put all of those reporters, those state house reporters, in front of the American people, we'd all have a good laugh. <laughs> Just trying to picture what they're really like in oh, their yeah. conversations. I bet very high minded. Mm -hmm. You know these people, David. I do. Hey, man. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. If I'm Iowa, I'm adopting that as my new slogan. Put on my license plates, the Florida of the North, of the Midwest, or the Central, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, that's the thing, is that when you, especially when you're looking at state house reporters, and not all of them, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm broad brushing here, but, but a lot of these people who will, you know, do interviews with activists at the Washington Post or whatever, they're cowboys who think that they're the star quarterback. Mm -hmm. That's that's what it is, and it's not. I'm not disparaging the job that they do in covering uh, state level politics, but at the same time, they think they really have the inside track to what goes on, and they think they have real influence. They don't. Well, they won awards, David. Well, yeah, because they, <laughs> yeah, because they paid the postage for the awards. Yes. I mean, the more <laughs> the more you enter, the better chance you get an award. Yeah. You know, I used it's to live publishers in clearing right. <laughs> I used to live in the Quad City area, and I know it fairly well and have friends there. And it's the ongoing joke, talking to different friends over the last several years now, especially the last three years, how many people have moved from the Illinois side to the Iowa side, if you could. And if you know that area where Bettendorf is and then on up north, it's like the city is growing so much, you know, it, it's going to become all one big city, yeah. You know, as far as Cedar Rapids goes, because you got so many people wanting to move there, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, there's a reason. Iowa, it's becoming this terrible place that everybody in Illinois wants to live at. Yeah, <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's hilarious. Um, I did see this man. A city in Canada is catching heat because it came up with a slogan. Oh, there's something you want to be catchy? Yeah. Okay, and this is Regina, mm -hmm. Canada. Oh, boy. Well, if you saw it, you might say it's Regina, but it's actually pronounced Regina. Mm -hmm. R-E-G-I-N-A. Yeah. Um, it's the capital city of Saskatchewan. The tourism board said, you know what? We could have a little fun with this, right? Um, how about a little ad campaign? With the slogan, show us your Regina. <laughs> oh, boy. It got your attention, huh? Yeah. You're laughing? Um, 
So they put that out there. It used to be tourism Regina. Now it's experience Regina. Okay. Well, the residents didn't find any of this funny, and they don't want their city represented that way. It's already been canceled. Hmm. Now, the group that came up with it, the CEO, a guy named Tim Reed, was really proud of the campaign at first. Like, man, isn't this great? Now he's apologizing. Said, so, you know, I, I'm just trying to own this now. It's my fault. It, it went too far because it sounds like his job might be in jeopardy. Oh, yeah. Nothing could be finer. <laughs> <laughs> Show us your Regina. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yes. They also had another slogan that said, the city that rhymes with fun. <laughs> <laughs> Filling your own punchline. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, Trump indictment coming down. Well, no, it's not no, happening. It's not. No, yeah, no, it's not not happening at least today because the grand jury that has been assembled by the leftist prosecutor in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, uh, is going to be meeting with another witness tomorrow. Apparently, yeah. So, Come on, man. Yeah, Shut up, Biden. Yeah. <laughs> Is Biden the witness? (laughs) I mean, Biden is the political Forrest Gump. Maybe he was there with Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump. (laughs) I mean, dude, he marched in the civil rights movement, uh, was also raised in the Puerto Rican community, uh, was also uh, raised in a black church while also being an Irish Catholic whose dad extolled the virtues of same-sex marriage in the 1950s. So, I mean, it's not based on Joe's own, you know, accord or account of his own life. Maybe he was there. The thing is, whenever you said that Biden was a time traveler, I think you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. On accident. He's an accidental accident. time yes. traveler. It's like the time traveler's wife. You know, he's just there one day, you know, eating ice cream or whatever, and he just starts dissipating into the ether. Jill, it's happening again. Oh, no. <laughs> Sitting around the campfire, tumbleweeds are rolling by. <laughs> I got hairy legs. Yeah. Of course he does. Okay, so that's not coming down on Trump today. No. Uh, meanwhile, Lindsey Graham is out there talking. What yeah. is he saying? Uh, Trump, well, he's been going after the governor of Florida for the last few months. He sees you know, Ron DeSantis as a threat to his 2024 run for president. Uh, and yesterday, even after DeSantis defended him, Against the left-wing prosecutors looking to indict Trump, Trump suggested that someone might accuse DeSantis of being a gay pedophile. Just very weird. Remember, we read the post, or I read the post to you yesterday on Truth Social, where he says, you know, Ron DeSantis, when he gets older and wiser, is going to understand that a lot of people are going to come out of the woodwork and accuse him of uh, all sorts of things he didn't do with young girls or maybe a man. I missed the man part. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then he shared again this left-wing smear against Ron DeSantis from the Andrew Gillum race uh, a few years ago. 
uh, that he was partying with underage girls when he was a high school teacher. And Holy so, smokes, man. Yeah. So South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, one of the top Trump 2024 surrogates, he's on the Trump train now out there you know, campaigning for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on Fox and Friends this morning and said, well, I don't really like him going after Governor DeSantis. Oh, I don't like it. You know, Trump's not into these thou shalt nots, the 11th Amendment. That's not his thing. So here's what I would say. <laughs> yeah, well, good. It was meant to be an early joke. to confirm that. Yeah, so the bottom line is, I think if I were Trump, which I am not, I would be running on four years of pretty effective president. The best is yet to come. I would say DeSantis. I picked him out of a crowd. I knew he was talented early on. I'm the guy that saw the talent. He's been a great governor, but I'm better able to be president. That'll be a good four years. But that ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm so confused by the Lindsey Graham thing because he's, you know, campaigned for Trump before. Yeah. Lindsey is all about throwing rocks when mm-hmm. it comes to Ukraine. Yeah. Defending Ukraine mm-hmm. wants to do more. More, more, more. Trump does not, by all appearances, from Trump's statements. So you have a total disconnect when it comes to how they would go about this huge issue. Yet Lindsey is still out on the campaign trail for him. I mean, it's weird. It's almost like Trump has something on him or something. <laughs> I wonder what that is. Huh? Hmm. I'm not saying that's true. It just it doesn't quite match. Because usually, you know, as far as policy goes, whoever you're out campaigning for, you're in lockstep with the policies. But that's not even close with Lindsay. The class is pretty dusty, I think. Lindsay sometimes is not exactly accurate with what he says he believes in and then goes out and promotes, yeah. I've noticed over time. Hmm. I wanted to play a clip for you guys. It was from a podcast I heard. Jordan Peterson. I'm a fan. Oh, yeah. As you know. Vivek Ramaswamy, who is running for president, he's not... By all appearances, the dude's not going to win. I mean, it's all the space is taken up by Trump and then DeSantis, right? But, man, the more you hear this guy, he's impressive. He's very smart. I mean, he's been smart all of his life. He's accomplished so many different things. And he was laying out ESG. Because anytime, and maybe this is just me, when you bring up ESG with just regular people, because we do this every day and you're talking about it, sometimes it's hard to explain it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And why it's so bad. And why this whole country needs to get away from it. And I heard him, because I think Peterson said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, how would you explain it to people? And this is what Vivek Ramaswamy said. The essence of the ESG movement is what it does is it uses the money of everyday citizens, Americans, but Canadians too, Australians and Western Europeans, to invest in companies and to vote their shares in ways that advance one-sided progressive agendas, environmental and social agendas, that most of those people do not agree with, that most of those people did not know were actually being advanced with their own money, and which don't advance the financial best interests of most people whose money is actually used. Yes, and and it comes down to companies, because we've said a hundred times, and I know you have, Scott, whether it was Major League Baseball, Coca-Cola, whoever's like, wait a second, their customers don't want this. Right. Why are they doing this? So what does that mean? Think about yourself saving in a retirement account or a 401k account or a brokerage account. You think that the person who's managing that money is exclusively looking after your best financial interests. It turns out they're not. They're also looking after advancing these other environmental and social goals. 
Who are these institutions? They're asset management firms like BlackRock or State Street or Vanguard or Invesco or countless others that have signed a pledge to say that they're going to align all of their underlying companies with the goals of the Paris Climate Accords, with net zero standards by 2050. It's something we've talked about several times. Yeah. You don't want your retirement funds going to woke causes. But we don't know it's going to woke causes. And you got to find out That's for yourself. Right. Yep. Yes. With modern diversity, equity, and inclusion standards. And those three or four firms alone manage about $20 trillion maybe even a little bit more. That's more than the U.S. GDP right now in the hands of three to four financial institutions. Do you think this is easier to understand the way he lays it out, David? Oh, I think he does that extremely effectively, yeah. That guy's a really good communicator, I think. I'm going to play just a little bit more, and I know we got to move on. But they're not using their money to do it. They're using most money. They're using the money of probably most listeners to this exchange right now, people watching this. Good chances that their money, their retirement accounts, their brokerage accounts are being used to tell companies like Apple to adopt racial equity audits that Apple's board initially did not want to adopt. Ooh. To tell companies like Chevron to adopt scope three emissions caps, which I can talk about what that means, but that Chevron did not want to adopt and that most people watching this probably didn't want to force on Chevron either, but their money was used to do it anyway. And that's how this happens. And it is the slow creep. You're like, oh, when did all these companies become, like, woke or go after all this stuff? It doesn't make sense. A little bit later in the show, I'll play another clip where he talks about a lot of this started in 2008 with that financial meltdown. And it was almost like this deal between the left and Wall Street. Because at the time, it was the Republicans bailing Wall Street out. And people on the left were so pissed about it, there was almost like a deal made. Like, well, you can't get what you want, you know, occupy Wall Street from the left, but we could we could help you accomplish the same goals yeah. if we sort of team together. Well, and, I mean, it's crazy. And the damnedest thing of it is that it winds up creating a new financial crisis, which is part of what we're seeing today Absolutely. with these banks failing. Because when you are heavily investing in industries that aren't really off the ground yet, renewables and things like that, and while at the same time kneecapping traditional energy production, yep. where, where does the money, where does the profit come from once the investments are made? If there is no money there to be made, then it is really just pretend, it's, it's monopoly cash, essentially. Yes. Oh, he talks about the climate religion, too, and how yeah. it makes no sense. But it fills a void of people's needs for a purpose and for God. Because they're not using it from, well, God. So they need to replace it. And for some people, it's the whole climate thing, that whole religion. It's wild. Man. On a lighter note, um, people are saying the best day of the week to take off, if you're going to take a day off during the week, is Wednesday. Have you seen this? No kidding. I have not yeah. seen that, no. The reason, this was from the University of Texas, David, mm -hmm. said we all get into a routine, five days of work, two-day weekend, but when you take a Wednesday off, the two days of work, day off, two days of work, two days off, you break up the rhythm, breaks you out of a routine, and you feel less stressed and overwhelmed at work because you're not staring down a five-day week. You've oh. basically split it. You think there's something to that? I can Your see that. Your first preference is a three-day weekend, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Friday, Friday Saturday, off. Sunday's yeah. beautiful, man. 
Yeah. <clears throat> they also said this. You take a non-traditional day off. You're more excited because it's sort of like having a snow day as a kid. And everything you might want to do is less crowded. That is out, true. Whether yeah. a restaurant, game, whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah, you got to go to the grocery store Wednesday afternoon would probably be very good. Yeah, that sort of thing. Or morning. Yeah, sure. I see that. I think they're looking at doing fun things, not... I can have fun at the grocery store. You can? Sure. What do you do? I have fun wherever I go, Jamie. Yes, you are Mr. Fun, Scott Robinson. I bring Robinson. fun with <laughs> well, he, Yes. He rides in those in the kids' carts that look like trucks and fire trucks and whatnot. Right. That's, While I'm juggling cantaloupe. That's a, yeah. that's a blast. All right. Yeah. Can we get video of that? Very nice. Yeah. That would be so great. Honking the horn at people. Um, <laughs> I know we got a news update. Also got to talk about especially for Scott, how MSNBC blamed colonialism for the injury of the Mets pitcher. God, help us. Uh, <laughs> Straight ahead right here. Right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay. What's going on with Russia? Well, you know, you know how uh, the Russians acted very unprofessionally, is what we heard from the Pentagon. Very unprofessionally. When they took down one of our drones. Yeah. Remember that? They were dumping gasoline all over it. They clipped a propeller and boom, down she went. Yep. Well, I guess now. The United States military is showing how to professionally do a flyby here. So Russia is claiming that one of its fighter jets intercepted two B-52 bombers over the Baltic Sea uh, yesterday. Uh, This comes just days after Russian planes forced a U.S. drone, of course, into the Black Sea. Uh, A Russian jet was scrambled toward the U.S. planes, which were headed towards Russia, but then returned uh, when, well, they were turned away when they were quote-unquote intercepted here. So there's okay. a little bit of, you know, back and forth happening between the two nations. Yeah. I don't think you really have to do that. You just say, next time you harass one of our pieces of hardware in the sky, we're going to shoot down whatever's doing the harassing. Yes. That, I don't period, disagree with end, that. That's it. You know, there was talk of a ceasefire, and then people in media in the United States, no way. That would be irresponsible for us to do that. Independent journalist Glenn Greenwald was on Tucker last night. He unleashed. Did he? Yes, he did. He's he's saying we've wanted this. We don't want to cease fire. We don't we don't want it to end. From the very beginning, it's been clear that the U.S. wants this war to continue and wants it to go on for as long as possible because they have no interest in protecting Ukraine. They instead want to sacrifice Ukraine, have Ukraine destroyed in order to advance what they think is the United States political interest, geopolitical interest of weakening Russia. And the way to do that is to use Ukraine as a pawn, kill as many Ukrainians as possible, destroy their whole country if they have to, in order to prolong the war as long as possible. And the response of the U.S. government and his defenders has been... By the way, you heard that before that strongly? 
<laughs> he went on, man. No, that's just out that's just out and out saying it. Yeah, I mean he didn't there was no mincing of words there. Oh, you kept rolling, man. We don't have any position about when the war ends. That's completely up to the Ukrainians. When they want to end the war, they can end the war. If they don't, we'll support them. And the lie just got revealed. If you listen to what John Kirby said, they asked him, Are the Ukrainians willing to have a ceasefire? And he said, Not only won't they, we won't allow it either. Essentially admitting finally what's long been obvious that the country funding the war, providing the arms for the war, which is the United States, determines if and when the war ends, and we obviously don't want that war to end. And we can get to more of that later. He went on to say there were a lot of people in Ukraine that don't want the war, and there's a lot of people who are being forced to fight that don't want to fight, and that's why they're crappy soldiers. And on and on and on. And I always go back to what David said when this started, and it's true. You don't know what to believe. You just don't. Propaganda coming from all sides. You just don't know. Wasn't there some narrative that she was going to try to broker a deal? Yeah, him and... Yeah, for peace? Yeah. Yeah. Along with Putin. Right. Yes. Not interested. How's that going? Not good. Yeah. But I think everybody knew that wasn't going to go over very well. I mentioned this. MSNBC is blaming colonialism for uh, Edwin Diaz, the closer for the Mets. His injury? Where did that come from? Well... First of all, if you don't know what we're talking about, it's the World Baseball Classic, and it was Puerto Rico, right? They, they're they winning. They're going to win the game. They're celebrating, jumping up and down, and then all of a sudden, Diaz goes down. He was jumping up and down, and he jacked up his knee. It's the patellar tendon. It's torn. Yeah, he's out for the season. Yeah. Hopefully, Edwin Diaz isn't really hurt. But he is. Yeah. Well, he might be. That's when he first went Gosh, down. That would be the only thing. That could put a damper on a great night for baseball. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty tough, man. Gosh, you can only hope it's not as bad as it looks based on those faces. Well, and then you had his brother out there crying, and you guys are like, oh, my gosh. See. Yet. It's colonialism, though. That was from MSNBC. I don't don't understand this one. Uh, Julio Ricardo Varela blamed American fans. Um, saying they forced him to play in a meaningless tournament solely for their enjoyment. Come on, man. <laughs> said, because Diaz wasn't playing for the Mets or another professional American baseball team when he hurt himself, but instead was playing for the place where he was born. Arrogant American baseball fans have decided he hurt himself in a meaningless game being played in an equally meaningless tournament. How colonial of them. <laughs> <laughs> These people are a parody of themselves. Just, These guys are jumping up and down, straight up and down. Yeah. And these idiots have been doing it for a long time now. And and every year, one or two of these guys blow an ACL or tear a UCL because of this stupid stuff. I Knock it off. But it's not colonialism. Stupid knows no colonialism. It's just it's, they're, it's, no, they're actually loving playing for their country. You can see it when you watch the game. Well, Wait, yeah. Y'all, y'all weren't part of the, the posse that went and rounded up all these baseball players at gunpoint? I was. Yeah, it made them go, right. Yeah. And then said, if you win, jump up and down. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I had a feeling Robbins would like that story. It's just story. so what? dumb. They just do it all the time. I don't understand. Why can't a coach go, don't do this? First guy who does it, you're done. What are you trying to take the They're trying to celebrate. But Matt. it happens all and they're all right confident knee, right jumping. Knee. Yeah, I know. Blows his knee out. Well, I, I'm not going to be the fun police over here. I mean, you no, don't. fun about that. Just don't like, get hurt, right? Yeah, just don't hurt yourself, but. Yeah. Well. He didn't intend to hurt himself, but it happens all the time. <laughs> Clowning around, yeah. 
Jeez. No, not in, if I'm the manager, this stops today. <laughs> Apparently, to Scott Robbins, that's the biggest story of the day. Well, there's a lot of big stories there. going on. And L.A. school workers are going on strike. Get to it all straight ahead. Van Camp and Robert Show. Jamie Markley, I'm the Gen Xer. David Van Camp, the Millennial, the Sexy Boomer. Scott Robbins. So, uh, school workers going on strike in L.A.? Yeah, the second largest school district in America that was also rocked by lockdowns for, what, <laughs> yeah. two years or whatever. Now a bunch of workers there of L.A. Unified School District have decided they are striking because they are demanding more money. Talking about employees like uh, custodians, teachers' aides. Um, they've walked off the job, shut down the district. They want a 30% raise. The district apparently has offered a 23% raise, 3% bonus, and expanded health care benefits. But that's not good enough, so a strike is on. That leaves some 420,000 kids with nowhere to go. 23% raise. Dang. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you add up everything. Uh, you know, I think they kind of got what they wanted, but they want that 30% raise. And so there you go. And, and okay. once again, you've just made another ironclad argument for school choice. Anyway. Yep. Uh, yeah, but the- I, I saw these teachers on there last night. There was a couple of them. Well, it's not never fair when a fast food worker can make more money than us. Yeah. Well, they're not teachers, though. Teachers are in solidarity right now. These are uh, like custodians, uh, lunch ladies, things like that who are. Yeah. Or people like that, I should say, who are striking. And they're tired of being held at gunpoint and made to go in and do these jobs. Right. Well, they're yeah. tired of it. The, the Today Show was out in L.A. and talked with some of the workers here. Okay. We're the people nobody sees. We're the, you know, we're the, but we're the backbone of LAUSD. I can make more money working at a fast food chain than I do here. Then go work there. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. What, you, what do you want from me? <laughs> I, think, I think Robbins has snapped. No, I it just makes the me nuts. Frustrations build up over two days, and now it, it's on. I mean, if you're working at a job and the guy at McDonald's is making more money than you are, maybe you took the wrong turn, or you should join them. Well, didn't your granddaughter end up at like three different fast food joints because she kept making more dough? And they keep calling. Okay, come back. Here's another quarter an hour. Whatever. So that's what you're saying. You could have left the school and done this. Yeah, I get it. I yeah. don't. We don't. I don't need a manager. She does. I'll represent her. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, once again, you're kind of screwing over the kids here, and you know the the superintendent, yeah. he's out there saying, well, yes, we they have been criminally underpaid, but we've offered something generous. They're going back and forth, and I did not realize though the average salary is twenty five thousand dollars a year, which especially in L A, that's not enough. No, that's a full time gig. Yeah. <sighs> So yeah, that that is terrible yeah. pay. I, I agree. I understand. Under, I, I understand. I get it. I 100 percent get it. Well, again, I don't know what they're spending per student for the education, but yeah. if it's anywhere near what it is, say in Chicago or L.A., mm-hmm. <laughs> the citizens need to know. Okay, exactly how is that money being spent? Because this is nuts. Where is the money going? Yeah. Yeah. 
But, you know. but at the same time, because everybody is uh, messing around with all of this, including the union, which apparently just said no deal and walked out last night. Uh, of course, you know, we can't round, we can't mention the story without the human side of it, of course, because there are people, real people who are affected by this and a lot of them lower income. And NBC News's Miguel Almaguer reminds us of the human cost. Is only Miguel can yeah. roll that. Working parents in a school district where 75% of students live at or below the poverty line say the strike hurts their families too. This is more stress to children as well and to parents. Oh, golly. Yeah. And it's certainly not a humorous situation at all. It's terrible for the kids Maybe and the families, do. yet the way Miguel delivers <laughs> right, that, exactly. it turns it into a freaking comedy routine. Hurts their families, too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, you asked how much uh, per student. Uh, it's somewhere around $15,000 mm-hmm. per student. That they're spending for the education. Yeah. Drag queen lunch ladies. <laughs> they work for tips. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Get all the woke moms in there. Yep. Um, okay. Scott, you wanted to bring Dr. Phil into the show. What is the story with Dr. Phil? What's happened here, David? God, yeah. This yeah. Is so terrible, man. they, I, I guess <laughs> Dr. Phil had a dad on whose kid, a son, says now he's a woman. And they trot this dude's son out there while he's up on the stage, and he's just weeping because he had not seen him, had not seen the son since he since the surgery. Yeah, and yeah. it's just it is really sad. And I can roll out some of the audio. We can just stop and uh, this is start. so real. This is yeah. so freaking he, real. You saw this yesterday? Yes. Oh my goodness! The dad okay. is weeping as yeah. the oh. as the uh, audience is flying like seals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh my goodness. Is that the dad crying? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Tell me what you're thinking and feeling right now, Gary. Time out. I'm sorry, man. I'll tell you that I'm being exploited on this stupid yeah. show. Right. I I felt two things. That's one of the things I felt, though. Yes. Initially, my reaction was that, and it's, it hasn't changed. Oh, I think my. it still is exploitation. Okay. Go ahead, David. I'm sorry. Bad. Really bad. <laughs> what do you What do you have to say? Why? I just, I just want you to know that you didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. Oh, goodness, man. He feels man. like he, he let you down. He's gone back to the point of, he says, one time for Halloween. Yeah. Uh, talk about that. He dressed up like a girl. I thought it was funny at first. No, I certainly don't. I thought it was Halloween. You know, so I just went along with it. 
actually pinched him on his behind and said he made a good-looking girl, but I was only joking. He's not a good-looking girl. Okay. It's, it's heart-wrenching. It is. Well, thanks for bringing that to the show. I'm, I'm just, I, I th- here's another thing, though. I think, I think it was exploitation. Yes. Yes. Though, you know, very exploited those shows are anyway. Number two, though, I think this is a real face of a real parent. Yeah, dude. Not the cheerleaders you normally see, and, you know, they've, they've become their true selves, and we're so happy we're a part of it. And this, uh, is, this is the other side of that. Okay, without going through the entire excruciating scene. So is it a case where the crowd, do they sort of turn on the dad because he's devastated by this? I didn't hear much of that. He was so devastated. It was so real and raw that I think everybody was taken aback by it. Did he know the kid had transitioned? He may have known, but he hadn't seen. Okay. And this was the first time. And, of course, you know, that's great TV if you can get that reaction. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's just terrible, man. But I, I, my heart was breaking for that dad because yeah, you, you feel every bit of it. Well, I think, well and any time. And he blamed himself. And, well, and there was sure, a point where I, he's like, I feel like I failed as a parent. Anytime something happens with a kid, uh, it's normal for a parent to look in the mirror and say, what did I do wrong? That happens all the time. Yeah. So that's just a normal reaction. And again, man, as we talk about all the time, why is this the only dysphoria that's treated this way? Yeah. And then people applaud. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, that's the big transition. And and that's the whole goal of 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 this and and some of the reaction, not necessarily in the audience, because I think the audience. The interesting thing is when you watch them, it starts off as like seal clapping. And yeah. then more and more you see people's like hands going to their mouths like, oh, okay, so yeah. there's another side to this. But, uh, of course, you know, you can't judge all of society based off of what you see on social media, but a lot of people are criticizing going after the dad hard. Oh, He's I'm automatically sure. the bad guy. But it's like, well, well, this this his son is obviously suffering from some sort of mental illness, and if this is the best yep. way to treat it, then that's fine, but not everybody is on board with that and not everybody is happy about that and that's okay that well, is stupid dr phil gonna have this person back on in five years if they decide they made a big mistake like so many do oh no they well, do no, that? Oh, well, well dr phil's done after this year right. i think yeah so, he's walking away yeah. unreal this reminds me of a piece that i read in the american conservative by declan leary and this is an interesting take it's called The War by Women. Truth, <laughs> truth, we'll just start it this way, man. I get, I'll cut to the chase. He's talking about that there's no toddler that's ever said, I want to go to a drag show. Someone drags yeah. him there. Yeah. And you can blame, you know, the creeps that dress up in this stuff and want to gyrate in front of kids because that is its own illness. But someone's taken those toddlers. And he said, and. The culpability lies with the parents who drag their unsuspecting children into this lion's den of rainbow activism. More specifically, it's the mothers. Even more specifically, it's white activist mothers whose participation in the LGBT craze is essential to their escape from the oppressor class and their tumble into the society of the future. And it says, watch the videos of women who take their children to drag queen story hours as fodder for the fantasies of less than stable men. Mm -hmm. And that's what that is. 
And they line up before school boards and legislators to plead the cases of their pansexual, gender-fluid first graders who will surely commit suicide if any standard of decency is imposed on school curricula and who rave and ramble wild-eyed in spine-tingling TikTok clips about the LGBT indoctrination they hammer into kids and the terrible, evil, no-good Republicans who might try to pump the brakes and say, hold on a second. Are we supposed to believe it's a coincidence that these are the people from whom the boom of gay and transgender children has magically popped up? Said, are we supposed to believe that these lifestyles are innate features of individual souls that lay dormant for all of human history, then suddenly popped up in easily traceable and rapidly growing social clusters? And it's true. Yeah. You don't hear many people say it like that. But somebody's taking them, and why are they taking them? They really think it's good for their kids? No, it's a status symbol. And I'll, I'll tell you this. We, we were talking about this a little bit before the show, but uh, my brother just sort of stumbled upon one of the mommy blogs that I have. I've become kind of obsessed with mommy blogs, I'll be honest, ever since I had my uh, first kid. Okay. Because most of them are so freaking insane that it's high entertainment if you don't take it too seriously. It's funny. Because it's a bottomless pit of narcissism, and that what are you is talk the, about. Well, th- most of the time, it's about how to make your kid more of a fashion accessory than actually raising a kid. Oh right. my! Not God. all the time, and there are some good <clears throat> tips or whatever. But I saw one uh, just a few days ago that was like, "Here's a travel hack from this mom of three. She sits in first class on the plane while the kids sit in coach." Like, okay, that's not a travel hack. That just means you have a lot of money. And you don't want to be bothered with your kids. That's, I mean, if you choose to do that, that's fine. But that's not like this life hack that's available to everyone. Oh, it's nauseating. And and so and and you see the same mindset with the trans activism stuff. A lot of times, it's they the parent wants to feel validated through their kid, and that's not a new phenomenon. What is a new phenomenon is surgical removal of breasts and other uh sex organs of and children blockers to yeah. do that that's the difference and a lot of times it's bored people who are miserable in their lives uh even though most of their needs if not all of their needs are met it's the the phrase i've heard before is the oppression of affluence it's basically <laughs> like you ha- you don't really have any wants or needs that aren't met and so you have to create new things and you right. want validation, and one of the easiest ways is by brainwashing your kid into affirming you. Golly. Plus, there's just some sort of joy for feeling oppressed. Yeah. Because they buy into all that. Some sort of jones you get yeah. if if people are looking at you sideways. Right, and now yeah. I'm one of the oppressed along with you. Right. Unbelievable. Man. Okay. And there's a whole lot more to get to. All right. We got to get to the Idaho lawmakers passing the law allowing, well, the firing squad for execution. Did David relate these stories together on purpose? I'm not saying he did. I'm not maybe. saying he did. But maybe. But we'll get to that story much more coming up right here.
Marcus Van Camp are on the show. Jamie Marcus, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. So in Idaho, they passed the law, David. Yeah. <laughs> they passed the law allowing prisoners to be executed by firing squad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they passed it with a veto-proof majority, by the way. Uh, it's still you know, up in the air as to whether or not the governor would sign it, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, and the governor, by the way, his only uh, concern with it is whether or not that would be too traumatic for state prison officials because it is such a violent manner of death. So that was it. I don't, I don't think he's totally opposed to it, but that was one of the questions he had. But anyway, they'll be the first, or I'm sorry, the fifth state in the United States to do it. Oklahoma, Utah, Mississippi, and South Carolina currently have the firing squad on the books. Utah was the last U.S. state to carry out a uh, firing squad execution back in 2010. Now it's what, time time to start again. I I, I agree. You know, well you got you got to pick, man. It's electric bleachers, electric chair, whatever you want to call it. Well, or maybe it's electric bleachers squad. if there's more than one that has to go in the same day. Yeah, say it's just you, electric chair or firing squad. Oh, I'll take a bullet to the head. Yeah, yeah, no question. I I I think frying because I think you're aware of the fact you're frying. Yeah, it sounds yeah, bullet to head, everything I've yeah. read. Yeah. And then when they try to do it by pill or injection, and sometimes they get it, the dose wrong, yeah. yeah. That sounds awful, too. Yeah. Yeah. Big guns pointed at my heart. Bang, bang, <laughs> well, shooting like a fire like and squad. Well, six guys, and, only, and they're all marksmen. Only one has yeah. the real bullet in it. Well, or something. Yeah, and the only... So nobody knows who exactly it oh, was. Oh, they know. I know they know, but <laughs> we don't know. Come on. <laughs> The fire, now, the firing squad would be like a backup, though, and, and one of the problems is that there have been so many court cases involving the drugs used because of incidents where the wrong dose was used and whatnot yes. that the death penalty for a lot of states has basically been unenforceable because they don't have access to the drugs. So in this case, it's just, boom, bullet to the head. Bye. Yeah. They don't have access to the drugs? Yeah. Can anybody go to the border? It's just, there. Just go to get fentanyl, man. Come yeah, on. no kid, it's there. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. We're in debt. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Oh, he woke up today thinking, is Trump going to get arrested today? No. Mm. No. Well, there's another witness tomorrow. Yeah. It's the, this it's, whole charade in New York. It's the cliffhanger in this season of what the hell is going on in New York. Pretty much. Yes. God. <laughs> so, everything is so lame. Okay. When someone brings up the word totalitarian, does it make sense right now? Or you say, well, you're overstepping a little bit. Or you're like, no, we're seeing stuff we never thought we'd see here. No, I, I, I clearly remember in 2016 during the debates between Hillary Clinton and, uh, and Donald Trump, he made a wisecrack about how if, he's in, uh, if he becomes president, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton would be in jail. Said something like that. Wasn't mm-hmm. quite that black and white, but at any rate, he said the words... Well, you'd be in jail just as a one-off. And right. Donald Trump said it was all white. The left freaked out. He's talking about jailing political opponents. 
<laughs> and and now they're celebrating as this rogue DA in, in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, is looking at actually indicting and then arresting Donald Trump for some payout to a porn star back in 2016. And so it, it's like, hey, let's have some consistency here. But then trying to prove, yeah, but it had to do with tax forms to 2018, yeah. and that's how the statute of limitations would be five years because yeah. it's 2023. It's like, dude, come on. Everybody can see what this is. But keeping an eye on it for sure. See what happens. Uh, mentioned earlier, Vivek Ramaswamy, who is running for president, he's impressive. You know, obviously a success story. He's owned his own business. I forget how much money he made. It's crazy, crazy money. Um, but he's out on the campaign trail. And anytime you hear this guy speak, at least to me, I'm impressed. Yeah. Really intelligent guy. And he seems to boil things down to make it very easy to understand. Well, it's the art of a great speaker, right? Yeah. A great communicator. It is. Taking the complex and... Melting it down so everybody can figure it out what he's talking about. Yeah, he's yeah, good at this. Yeah. A fascinating conversation with Jordan Peterson. I was listening to it, and I grabbed a couple of clips to play for you. The one, he's talking about the climate religion and how it really makes no sense when you look into it at all. But we have so many people, not just in the United States, around the world, that are convinced the world's going to end yeah. in the next 10 years unless we do something drastically now. Oh. And so he lays out how... You know, this is, you know, like a religion. So so one is, if you really care about carbon emissions as the end-all, be-all, okay, first of all, you'd be delineating which kind of carbon emissions matter. I, I don't subscribe to the tenets of this religion, but I understand this religion. I think it's worth understanding a religion even if you're not a practitioner. Even if you subscribe to this religion, there's a difference between methane leakage and carbon dioxide. Well, methane leakage is far worse in places like Russia and China. So then it should be a mystery that you want to shift carbon production from the United States, where you tell companies like Exxon and Chevron to stop producing, to places like China, like PetroChina on the other side of the world. Yep. And by the way, this is exactly what the ESG movement, it's like the apostles of this church, right? So BlackRock is like an apostle of this Spanish Inquisition style church. BlackRock forces companies like Exxon and Chevron to drop oil production to meet net zero standards by 2050. We hear this all the time. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, BlackRock, the other people that control all of the money. But then... Yet literally some of the same companies buying up those same projects on the other side of the planet are PetroChina, who BlackRock is a large shareholder of, without telling PetroChina to adopt any of those same emissions caps. This is nuts if you think that you care about reducing yeah. carbon emissions. And it's not even... It reminds me when I hear that, again, of 2015 where you heard it out of Wall Street. They didn't care if it was Jeb Bush or Hillary Clinton. Either way, they were going to make tons of money. It was all going to be fine. And it's the same way with the BlackRock. I don't care where it's produced. We just got to play this climate game and say, yeah, stop it here, but we're going to be still getting the money from China. So what does it matter to us? As I was alluding to methane emissions... It's crazy, man. As I was alluding to methane emissions before, it's not even net neutral. Methane, even if you subscribe to this crazy religion, is 80 times worse for global warming than carbon dioxide. So it's not even net neutral, it's worse. So that's the first breadcrumb that there's something else going on here. The second breadcrumb that there's something else going on here is that that same movement, certainly it's apostles in the ESG movement, that are so hostile to carbon emissions, 
is also hostile to the best known form of carbon free energy production known to mankind, yeah. which is nuclear energy. Yeah. Nuclear. No. Right. So that's the second little breadcrumb that suggests there's something else going on here. And the problem with nuclear energy in a nutshell is that nuclear energy might be too good at solving the alleged clean energy problem. And he goes on later to say how people thought of nuclear maybe 20, 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. That's not accurate anymore at all. Because it's been cleaned up so much. And people think, oh, nuclear accident. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it's it's sort of ground into people's brains. But that's not even in play anymore. So it in the end, they're they're really just instilling fear into people to manipulate them, which we already know. Right. Just love the way he laid it out. And there are other things that they could do, but then it would take away their power. Because then if it's if nuclear is the answer, what about all the electric cars and solar and wind and blah blah blah? That's all these investments that have been made, then you're not gonna get the money. Yeah. Crazy man. Jackson Brown and Neil Young will go back out on the No Nukes Two tour. <laughs> I forgot about oh, the that. Oh, no that was a nukes big concert. that was a huge movement. Man. It was. Yeah. Holy shit. Twenty smokes, or thirty man. years ago, right. I hadn't thought about that in a long time. Um, I have some health news to pass along um, that was breaking a little earlier today. Uh, there's a deadly fungal infection spreading at an alarming rate. Oh, gosh, I've heard about this. Yeah. Dang it. Golly. No, like mainly at old folks' homes in like Mississippi or something like that, or that's where Candida they found the cluster? Is, is what it is. is it the fungus, it's a type of yeast. Mm-hmm. Um, can cause severe illness in people, it says, with weakened immune systems. Uh, the number of people diagnosed with infection, as well as the number of those who are found through screening to be carrying it, has been rising, as NBC News reports, at an alarming rate since it was first reported in the United States. Okay? Um, especially in the most recent years, very concerning. And this is the crazy part. If you're a healthy person, you're not going to really know it at all. Um, but if you're somebody that's compromised, yeah, potentially associated with deaths, there's been an ongoing transmission at two long-term care facilities. It's it's very small area where this is happening. Yeah, Mississippi. Well, how but of course, it, how do you get this? You know, from the story, I really don't understand it. It says in the CDC report, researchers analyzed state and local health department data. People were sickened with it, as well as those who were colonized. Meaning they weren't ill, but carrying it on their bodies. No. Oh. <laughs> Gosh. So I see these stories. Oh, man. And I talk about it. it. It does, I'll admit it. It makes me itch. But your reaction <laughs> to it, Scott, well, yeah. is worth it to me. I'm itching, too, but... I'm, um, we need two weeks to bend the curve. <laughs> By the way, if you have a loved one that's had this, it's not its not a laughable thing. I'm not trying to make it that way. It's no. more your reaction to it. Um, but again, you see these things all the time, the headlines, that just grab your attention as clickbait. Right. And it's, yeah, fungal infection spreading at an alarming rate. I yeah. think you're going to be all right. Yeah. But it can be, you know, fatal for some people. Why you should wear shoes in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Never know. (laughs) Uh, Hillary Clinton is in the news. 
I don't know if you happen to see that. Mm-hmm. She's always in the news. Well, okay. She loves being in the news. Yes, a reporter with the Feeling New York Times caught up with Hillary at the opening night of Bob Fosse's Dancing on Broadway. Mm. And as the story goes, and I saw this at Daily Wire, weighed in on the prospect that a show such as Some Like It Hot, in which the male leads dress up like women to join an all-female band and hide from the mob after witnessing a murder, could face bans in certain states. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a freaky joke is this. Wait a minute. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on. Okay. So, she is actually trying to say that a movie that actually makes, or a a play Mm -hmm. that actually makes light and makes it a comedy that two men would dress up as women yes. and try to pose as women and travel with women. Mm-hmm. It's a scam and a comedy act is the same as having a grown man dressed in lingerie gyrating in front of children, which they say is very serious. That's important. That's bedrock principles in America. Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's really something there, man. Well, <laughs> she said, it's a very sad commentary on what people think is important in our country. Yeah, I hope that it goes the way of the dinosaur because people will recognize that it's just a political stunt. Is anyone trying to ban any sort of drag anywhere? Or is it drag in front of kids? Yeah. No, that's just it's, it. Dragon. We talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. How about you stay away from the kids? Yeah, if yeah. adults want to go see this, I don't care. I yeah. could care less. Nobody nobody really cared about drag shows until you started doing it in front of the yeah. kids and telling me that I had to love it. And if I didn't... Period. Just what like, dude do you know that loves it? <laughs> a guy? I don't know one. No. I ain't had dinner. I had dinner month or so ago walked in and there was a bunch of women painting on easels yeah and the back end was still the restaurant i went to the back end then i realized it was a drag show yeah the drag people were helping them paint Mm -hmm. and then it was coming to my table wanting money how much you give them get out of here (laughs) (laughs) giving you money no but it was just weird i you know I didn't expect it, and and quite frankly, I try like hell not to be, but I was uncomfortable. So what? I, but I don't care. All of these people that were in there were grown people. You're, it's like, it's like you're just preached upon, well, you shouldn't feel uncomfortable. Well, no, I did feel uncomfortable. Who are you to say what I should be uncomfortable yeah, with? I didn't exactly know that's what I was walking Beat into. It. Yeah, I'm sorry. Or, or, but don't do that. Just leave. For those people, I, I just want you to imagine that I walk into your place of business wearing nothing but a banana hammock. You'd be uncomfortable, I guarantee you. Heck some yeah, of you would. Some of you wouldn't be able to help yourselves, but I, I so I understand. Well, but I wouldn't blame you if you were uncomfortable. Is all I'm 100%, saying. man. Mr. Van Camp. I mean, that's it, yeah. Oh, by the way, another piece of the Clintons in the news uh, has to do with some like it hot on Brad, on Broadway. Um, apparently, there were two human turds found in an aisle next to Hillary and Chelsea Clinton. Did you see that? What? Yeah, this was in the New York Post. A source spoke with the manager who said this was the fourth time it's happened. Someone is a serial pooper at the theater, the Schubert Theater. I don't know if they're getting somebody else's poop and smuggling it in and dropping it or actually pooping on 
The floor in the aisle? I don't know. I think somebody no. would pick up on that. Well, you would think. Sorry, but that must be celebrated, that behavior. <laughs> somebody else said, you know what? I think it's an unfortunate accident suffered by an elderly person. Mm. That could be, too. <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to welcome the president tonight. To <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Okay. Guess who just got a doctorate of theology at the University of Helsinki? Yeah. You'll want to know the answer to this, I promise. Straight ahead right here. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robin. And we got a lot of stuff to get to. By the way, the University of Helsinki gave Greta Thunberg a doctorate of theology. Oh, boy. <laughs> it is like a religion, you know. Yeah, but she's like the patron saint of woke scolds. So I can you get a degree in the study of your own essence? <laughs> cool. I'm just wondering. I like that. Yeah. That's a great question, actually. How dare you? Yeah, how dare you? you say that. My dreams, my okay, does anybody feel sorry for her? Words. Just ask. How dare you? No. This is all wrong. Not anymore. Yeah. I, I think now, early on, yes, I felt sorry for her because yeah. her parents are, are loser stage parents. And they are, I mean, just look up their bios. We've gone over it before over the last several years. They set I mean, this whole thing up. They, and they use her. Yeah. She's been a pawn and they brainwashed her. Yeah. So there is part of that that, yeah, I do feel bad for her. But now, I mean, she's an adult, and she needs to figure things out that, you know, part of it she's funded by people who are truly reprehensible, uh, including President Xi of China and President Vladimir Putin. I mean, those those Russia and China put a lot of resources through cutouts to promote her. Yes. Because they know that the West is suicidal enough to actually go along with it, to be bullied by her. And that means more money in their pockets for coal and natural gas and oil. I know. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin knew he couldn't be Kevin forever. (laughs) (laughs) Golly. You know, the thing is, and I do feel bad for her, until then I see her scolding. And then then it goes away. How dare you? Yeah, I know. I get it. All right, David. Do you want to get to the view clip first? You want to get to Richard Dawkins? I got uh, Glenn Greenwald. Oh, we got a lot of stuff well, to get well, to. Well, we'll get to the uh, uh, Billy Porter on the View. This actor performer. They're talking okay. about drag shows and how the GOP is declaring war on the LGBTQ, LMNOP, Alpha, Omega, Epsilon, how? 2S community. Yeah. Stay away from the kids. There's this war yeah. against trans people, which and is... And LGBTQ plus yeah, people yeah, and yeah. people who no, are othered. And cabaret people. And cabaret and people. It's a, it's a circle Chris. of life. Yeah. You know, we've Why all, are they doing it? Uh, the, for power. You know, the, the, the leading cause of hold death on. in children. Hold, hold on. Okay, are we going to get to the suicide again? Here we go. Just stop it. Yep. False narrative. And who's trying to stop anything? Yeah, I don't Just know. stay away from the kids, mm, yeah. you freaks. Our guns! Yeah. 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 They're guns! What? Yeah. Our guns! Yeah. 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 They're guns! Yeah. I 
know it's the morning and I'm not supposed to be screaming, but they're guns. Yeah. Not you know, drag queens. Not drag queens. No. Leave us alone. Stay away from the kids. Yep. It's pretty simple. That's it. And if you want to call that a war, then yeah, it's a freaking war that you're going to lose. So All much right. hyperbole. This is the Mark Van Camp and Robin show. Don't ever say I can't self-edit, okay? I can yeah. self-edit. Yeah. I just proved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the biggest story of the day, David? Uh, the biggest story of the day, I guess, is that um, Donald Trump is not going to be charged. Uh, not this week, at least. The grand jury that's been assembled by Alvin Bragg, the DA in Manhattan, uh, is going to hear from another witness tomorrow. And so earliest, I guess, we're looking at like next week if he's going to be indicted. Okay. It goes on and on yeah, and does. on. Never seems to end. All right. Well, we got to get to the other piece of audio. Richard Dawkins yeah. has ticked off LGBTQ activists. And we got the Scott Robbins top three of the day, the trifecta, coming up right here. David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, before we get to the Scott Robbins trifecta, Glenn Greenwald was on Tucker Carlson's show. Independent journalist Glenn Greenwald. I was asking David, hey, has he ever gotten anything like totally wrong, booted it? If so, I don't remember it. Seems like he knows what's going on. Yeah. You're always trying to figure out, okay, who can you trust? You know, who's pretty reliable? He had a take on Ukraine last night that you probably haven't heard before from a whole lot of people. Certainly if you get a lot of news from legacy media, like you played this clip in front of some people, their head might explode. (laughs) Because he paints a different picture of what's going on in Ukraine right now. This is what he said last night. So there's a propagandistic narrative from the beginning that the Ukrainians are feisty, courageous, and are fighting for their own country, and we ought to stand by their side. The reality is the complete opposite. The Ukrainians do not want this war to continue. Zelensky is not using a voluntary army. He's using a conscript army. He is drafting these people who are unwilling to fight and has repeatedly in the last four months on three occasions increased the punishments for desertion or for people who are otherwise uh, rebelling against this war because the Ukrainians know that they're being used as cannon fodder. Right, hang on a second. That's so far. Jeez. That'd be new news to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, because they didn't, they didn't notice. You know, it's interesting to me how people don't really grasp this when one of the biggest issues at the beginning of Putin's invasion of Ukraine was the flood of refugees. You know, a lot of refugees leaving Ukraine were not women and young children. A lot of them were dudes who were like, uh, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge real quick. Uh, see you later. Good luck. Yes. Now, it was reported a lot of all the young dudes that were leaving Russia, but not so yeah. much to the young dudes leaving Ukraine. Yeah. 
but Glenn goes on. For the interest of other people around the world. So it's a conscript army. They're forcing these Ukrainians to go and die in huge numbers for things that are not in their interest. What's in their interest is to negotiate with the Russians over an agreement that will allow Ukraine to Ukraine, Ukraine to keep the parts of their country that want to be ruled by Kiev. And it's the United States and Great Britain that are blocking it purely for our own interests. Really interesting. It, Yeah. Because a lot of times you really don't know what's going on. You don't know who to believe. I know we've said that a hundred times, but it's true. Meanwhile, Richard Dawkins, yeah. who's been loved by the left for a long time, yeah, he's atheist. Yeah, big the what was a big book that he wrote called I think it was the God Delusion. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean a lot of lefties really like him. Uh, this is going to rub them the wrong way. I, I promise you that. He was on uh, with Piers Morgan and the topic of the LGBTQ activist class came up. And I think the context was what's going on with uh, J.K. Rowling, the Harry Potter author, who all she's really done is defend the right for women to exist. True. And, <laughs> like being a woman is something unique and special. And yes. being a guy playing dress up is not the same thing. That's all she said. Uh, and so he was asked for Richard Dawkins was asked for his take on what well, what do you think about the activist class in all of this? Okay, it's bullying. Uh, and well, what? Seen it's the, bullying. It's, it's yeah. bullying. Uh, and we've seen the the way um, J.K. Rowling has been bullied. Kathleen yeah. Stock has been bullied. Um, They've stood up to it, but but um, it's very upsetting the way this tiny minority of people has managed to capture the discourse and to um, really talk arrant nonsense. What's the answer to it? Science. I mean, um, there are two sexes. Um, you can talk about gender if you wish. Oh, 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 oh buddy, can't do that. Uh oh. Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth among the left now. Science. I mean, um, there are two sexes. Um, you could talk about gender if you wish, and that's a subjective. I'm not. But when people say there are a hundred genders, yeah. for example. Uh, yeah, I'm not interested in that. As as a biologist, there are two sexes, mm. uh, and that's all there is to it. Mm. I'm not interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good line. Yeah, because, I mean, what is he implying? It's utter nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, you don't have to be a biologist to realize that. No, you don't. That it's utter it's just, nonsense. Just common sense. Basically what it is. All right, Robbins, you ready for your big three? <laughs> yeah. All right, let's do it. Roll it out. Are you ready? One, two, buckle my shoe it's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Every day at this time, Scott Robbins' top three stories of the day. Always helped by his hero. Hi, it's me, Casey. Hey, buddy. Casey, Casey. Doing okay? Yes. Okay. Feeling off. Get feeling your pencils up. ready. I know. I got it. I got it in my okay. hand, buddy. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Right, three. Go. Number three, a journalist is uh, complaining and saying that there's been an increase in online threats ever since the news broke that uh, the Manhattan DA is going to, what, be uh, indicting Donald Trump. Yeah, and there's a lot of disappointment today because they thought today was the big day, but not going to happen. So we're back to unnamed sources for articles. 
Mm-hmm. Now, again, the crowd was very thin. If there were going to be a bunch of protesters there, they didn't show up. They yeah. either didn't take the bait or just don't have any interest in this whatsoever. But the media wants them to be there. So now they've gone to unnamed sources online. <laughs> Intelligence sources told CBS News there's been a significant increase in threats and violence rhetoric. It's going online right now for these domestic violent extremists. As former President Donald Trump claimed he will be indicted. The sources said they have not been identified as credible or direct threats, but they're out there anyway. Mm. There's going to be violence. There will be blood. And we will be there to (laughs) applaud it and to move it along. That's what we want. Sounds totally made up and all, but hey, why not? Roll with it, right? Yeah. Sure. We're getting closer and closer to number one. Scott Robbins trifecta up to number two. Uh, number two, love this story. A gun-toting Florida dad turned the tables on his daughter's abusive ex. Yeah, th- well, this is Gainesville, Florida. Police officers there responded to a domestic dispute at some case, some place called the Polos Apartments. This was Saturday. They determined the unidentified ex-boyfriend had been inside the woman's apartment and physically assaulted her. Oh, boy. The woman's father came by the apartment after he learned about this, as a dad would. About 30 minutes after police took the report, the guy came back. Dad was still there. Dad was armed. Shot him in the chest. Dead. Whoa. Yep. Mm -hmm. The guy managed to get out of the house and died right next to his car he was trying to escape (laughs) in. Police said, well, we're still investigating, but we don't see any reason for any charges to be filed here. Because it's protecting in that sort of situation. Yeah, this guy was there. Th- this guy was coming back to beat his daughter some more. Wow. Not going to have it. Mm-mm. I was thinking to myself, well, he doesn't end up dead, but I was confusing because in Nimrod's in the news, the rule is you can't have someone die. But that's not it's the rule. not the rule Scott for takes. The trifecta. Nope, it is not. Nope. That is true. Yes. Now, on with the countdown. <laughs> I'll go ahead. If they're dead, I'll say it. They're dead. <laughs> Bad guy gets shot dead. Darn the luck anyway. One. Okay. <laughs> Number one, TikTok, the Chinese-owned spy app, is gaining momentum in the U.S., even as our own government is looking at uh, banning it. <laughs> this is so funny, but so typical, right? Somebody tells you you can't see something, or you shouldn't see something, or you shouldn't have something. You want it more and more. So TikTok has confirmed that the application has grown to 150 million active users in the U.S. That is a 50% increase from the 100 million that were used in 2021. They said they've seen a bump since, of course, the Congress has decided they want to ban it. Yes. So it went from 100 million to 150 million, just like that. And I'm thinking to myself, can they ban this show? (laughs) Because, (laughs) hey, man, if we can pick up a growth of 20% of our audience, why not (laughs) ban it? I was talking to a friend of my wife's the other day. We were all talking about the TikTok thing. And she said, I have a number of friends that will say, okay, so what if they spy on me? What are they looking? They're not going to find anything anyway. It's a pretty boring life. What do I care? (laughs) I'm thinking fan camp should have been around that person. Well, yeah, why why not? Uh, Just have the Chinese government put a surveillance camera inside your home. I mean, mm-hmm. after all, you live a boring life. You're not committing any crimes. What's the big deal? Who cares? Right. I think George Orwell could never have in a million years 
come up with this idea where we actively really, really wanted to invite Big Brother into our homes. And in fact, we'd pay through the nose for it. We do. It's pretty crazy. Do you ever, and let people know where you're at all the time. All the time. Yes. Do you ever get those notices like uh, Netflix is going to stop working on your television if you don't blah, 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 click on this link thing? Oh, just fishing for stuff? And then they do it with uh, online shopping. I get at least one of these every 10 days. Well, I never open it. That's good. You know, but it's one of those things where it's like I could see you looking at that going, oh, crap. You know, watch out for this, too. There's another scam out there. I've heard of different uh, YouTubers this happening to. Um, one guy this happened to is the singer of the band The Darkness. His name's Justin Hawkins, and he's got a YouTube channel. Another guy is a golf YouTuber named Rick Shields. He's one of the biggest golf YouTubers out there. Sometimes they'll have contests on their YouTube right. channel. Yeah. And people enter in. All of a sudden, if you get something that looks exactly like that person from the YouTube channel and says, hey, you've won whatever, whatever, fill this out, it's not them. <laughs> but people fall for it all the time because they're using AI. With the Rick Shields dude, there was actually an AI-generated video of this guy that so looks somewhat like him. Wow. And didn't really sound like him, but it could pass for some people. That was saying, hey, you want a new driver. Or whatever. Make sure to put your info in. Cow. And then they go, and then those guys will go on their channel and say, if you see anything, it's not from me. People are getting scammed. What do I care? What's going to happen to me if I get TikTok? <laughs> yeah. Is all I'm thinking of. And there you have it. Yes, the Scott Robbins trifecta, top three of the day. Thank you very much, Scott. Okay, we got to get to another news update. And then Nimrod's in the news. Okay, when you're talking spring break, and you're talking 52-year-old dude. Do they go together? <laughs> Can you no. chalk anything up to a spring break mistake when you're 52? <laughs> we'll get to that coming up. Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jeremy Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. So a uh, Republican in the state of Texas, State Representative Tony Tenderholt out of Arlington, has filed a bill that would end uh, sex changes and puberty blockers or any sort of hormone therapy for anyone under the age of 26. Whoa. Saying that, well, we know from science that the human brain isn't really fully developed until about the mid-20s or so. Right. So you're not really capable of making those decisions until you're 26. And this is the kicker to me. I don't think it'll pass, but this is the kicker. It's called the Millstone Act, which is an incredible name. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they're, going, they're going New Testament on them. I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. You know, what's interesting, you talk about that, <laughs> it reminded me of what Levine, is it Rachel Levine? Yeah. Health and Human Services. Mm -hmm. The guy. Yeah. You know, and and what did they say he was the first something, whatever, glass ceiling breaker? Yeah. Because they honored him with something. I forget what it was. Anyway, he's all about the trans kids, right? 
Except he also admits he's really glad he waited to transition so he himself could have kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's like 13-year-old, absolutely, you need to be sterilized uh, for the rest of your life. But I'm glad I waited at least. Because my children, one of the greatest gifts I've ever known. I'm paraphrasing. Hmm. Okay. But if you would have been able to transition way back then, would you have known that you even wanted kids? It's just the circular reasoning. Where do they go when they go to mom's house on Christmas? Hmm. Well, that's a good question, man. Hmm. Perplexing. Health news. We're taking 600 fewer steps today than we did pre-pandemic. I thought everybody got the memo. Apparently not. Especially after we knew what the real deal was. Mm-hmm. That the more you were basically in shape or physically fit, fit. Yeah. the better off you would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And really, under a certain age, not needing the vaccine. Guess not. But people got into habits so yeah. of more sitting around, and then it's hard to turn that around. Well, sometimes I guess. you couldn't go outside depending on where you were. Yeah. But I mean, it's not that way now. No, oh, no. No, no, no. But yeah. And they say, well, that may not sound like a lot, but I mean, just put that into a week. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of steps. Yeah. Get a lot less exercise. All right, we got to get the Nimrods. Roll it out. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrods in the news. Well, we got a guy from Springfield, Missouri, uh, but he was in Florida when this happened. His name is Cliff Edwards, and he's a real estate exec. And, you know, he's down in Florida, spring break. Um, the other night, a couple noticed him standing near their 2023 Nissan Altima outside a restaurant. They confronted him. He laughed, ran away. As they're trying to figure out, did they have some sort of run-in with him earlier? Mm-hmm. Was it just random? It turned out he'd done more than $1,000 damage to the side of their car by scratching it up with a butter knife. He's like, keying their car with a butter knife. No reason for that? Don't know. Now, the car was parked outside a restaurant called the Toasted Monkey. So you're guessing that's where the butter knife came from. Clifford's name was on the wait list. They had his phone number. That's how the cops tracked him down. And he admitted to everything. And described it as a, quote, spring break mistake. So they arrested him for felony criminal mischief. His <laughs> wife had to bail him out. No, boys will be boys, though. Come on. 52? What, you're so hammered? <laughs> I'm jealous of this car. Did they do something to him? What What brought that on? What we do don't you, know. What's he doing there? It's spring break. Okay. This sounds like something a 52-year-old guy wouldn't be interested in. You'd think. Well, it's because he, he got kicked out of Disney. For punching that (laughs) stuck-up mouth. Right, there you go. And then you had a woman in Florida pulled a gun in a McDonald's drive-thru. Why? She wanted a cheeseburger bundle. Well, that's not on the menu at McDonald's. Well, you make one! (laughs) God. Arrested for aggravated assault because they didn't have the cheeseburger bundle. God dang. And that's Nimrod's in the news.